And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome, welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, focuses on the ancient church, which was in ancient Philadelphia. It was a church that Jesus said faced an open door. We'll also see more examples of how our evangelism must press on through opposition. Please note that opposition often stands in every open door for evangelism. And now, with his message for this morning, our senior pastor, Robert Elliott. That's another example that opposition shouldn't tell us that we're out of God's will sharing the gospel. Go to 1 Thessalonians 2, please. Verses 1 and 2. Now we're going to see what Paul and Silas and Timothy thought about opposition. 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid such opposition. Can you imagine? They got beat up, threatened in Philippi. They go on to Thessalonica, not looking for a quiet retirement resort, but to share Christ with the Thessalonians, to plant a church. And they say that when they got to Thessalonica, they found much opposition. Left Philippi where there was opposition, went to Thessalonica where there was more opposition, but they were undaunted because they were bold in God to speak to the Thessalonians the gospel of God. We must be the same. The first time that person works beside you in the workplace gets angry about you sharing Christ, don't conclude never to share Christ with her again. That person in your chemistry class who you've tried to tell about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life because that person doesn't know Jesus yet and is threatened to do bodily harm to you if you talk about Christ again in chemistry or anywhere else, that doesn't mean you shut up. Keep praying and share Christ. Another example where opposition doesn't necessarily tell us that we should stop evangelizing. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 to 9. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 to 9. Paul writes, But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Wow. He didn't see the two things as being exclusive of each other. He said there's a wide door for effective service in Ephesus back then, and there are many adversaries. The two go together. Maybe the doors that are open for us for the gospel have enemies to the cross standing in them. Don't conclude that when there's an enemy of the cross standing in an otherwise open door for evangelism that you should not evangelize. Some of you may have gotten this in the mail. It's a postcard from um, a company that wants to buy gold, and they set up usually in the... Um, the hotel by the car wash here in Matamoros. I forget which hotel it is. It doesn't matter. And they urge you to come and consider selling them some gold. And this is what's on the back of their postcard. The front's all about buying gold. On the back of their postcard, spread the good news. Jesus saves. Be 100% sure you're going to heaven. 
Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, they're all written out. Christ died for us, Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shalt be saved. Then still on this card, they say, if you have never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, pray this prayer, and they give an opportunity for them to trust Jesus for salvation on the back of their card. Beth and I, a little while back, they've been coming to the area consistently. A little while back, we went to meet them, and um, we sold them some gold. But I said, um, you know, I love your postcard, the back of it. He smiled. He says, you're a brother in Christ? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, that's great. He says, it's nice to get some positive feedback because you know what happened just earlier before you came in? There were two guys here that said they'd kill us if we ever put those postcards out again. They keep putting out the postcard. They're not seeing threat of bodily harm as a reason to stop obeying Jesus to tell others about Christ. I love that. There's a story. I don't know what country it happened in, but there was a country that was prone to tidal waves, tsunamis. And there was a campground near the coastline, the sea level, with lots of campers enjoying a summer's day. There was an old man who lived up on a mountaintop that looked down on the campground in the ocean. And he saw a tidal wave approaching the beach and knew it would hit at the campground and many lives could be lost. And so he yelled to warn them and they couldn't hear. He was too far away. And he waved his arms frantically, hoping somebody in the campground would see him trying to get their attention to warn them to go to higher ground. And they didn't see that either. And so he thought, and the only thing he thought he could do was he lit his own house on fire. And as his house was engulfed in flames and became smoking and a real sight that the people down below could not miss, they came up to try to help him extinguish the fire and tidal wave hit the campground that had been evacuated and they were not, no, no one died. Folks, we live on the vantage point of the scriptures and look down on the campground, the playground of those without Jesus Christ who are just merrily going about their fun and leisure without any sense of hell and the dangers they have being out of fellowship with God. We must do whatever God shows us to do. It may cost us personally. It may be crazy to anybody else watching us. We need to get them the message that Jesus died for them, rose for them, and offers them forgiveness in heaven. We must do what it takes. We must. And we must not conclude that any opposition that we face is somehow an indicative that God doesn't want us to share Christ. The big idea of this message is that God's open door often has opposition standing in it. Would you stand with me? God's open door to evangelism often has opposition standing in it. We have to face up to that. We need to pray through that opposition. If God has put an open door to share his son and the gospel with someone for you, and there's an opponent standing in the doorway, you pray the opponent to step aside. Because what Jesus opens, no one can close. In your bulletins is a loose sheet for the sermon outline. Would you grab that if you can? At the bottom of the sermon outline is a takeaway. And the takeaway is that we should pray through one door this week. 
And what I want you to do, and this is a solitary individual assignment while you're standing, say this to God. Before my Lord, I promise and pray to try to share the gospel with blank this week. Now, Lord, hold me to it. Could you make that your prayer? The way you would make that your prayer is if you took a pencil and a pen right while you're standing and you wrote somebody's name on that blank. Before my Lord, I promise and pray to try to share the gospel with blank this week. This week. Now, Lord, hold me to it. I encourage you to write a name in that blank and then to pray for the opportunity this week to share the gospel with that person. Maybe it's a person in your family. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a fellow student at the high school or the elementary school, the middle school. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a business associate. Could you write a name on that blank? I know you could. Would you? And then pray about it and say, Lord, with you as my witness, I promise to pray and to try to share the gospel with blank this week. Now, hold me to it. And you know how he holds to it? He'll give you the open door and he'll nudge you. There it is. Now. You know, the Mercedes-Benz automobile company came out years ago with a patented frame for their vehicles that was totally, basically totally collision absorbing. It was patented. But other auto manufacturers got the technology and started to build these same kind of chassis that Mercedes-Benz had. And somebody asked a Mercedes-Benz spokesman why they weren't enforcing their patent. And he said this, because some things in life are too important not to share. Some things in life are too important not to share. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to continue talking about discipleship. And last time we just talked about how when we consider a disciple, a disciple looks like the person they're following. And when we consider discipleship, this is a big word that we use in the church and, and around the Christian um, talk. But the reality is, is that all of us are called to be a disciple. All of us are called to be in the process of discipleship. We call ourselves born-again believers. You see, discipleship is the expected standard for all believers. It's not an option. It's a command. And last time we looked at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 24, but we want to talk about verse 25 today. But I want to start off at verse 23 so we can get the context. And Jesus saying, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses life because of me will save it. Verse 25, For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? You see, we need to recognize what this verse is saying. Because a lot of us, we are so caught up in this world and the culture that we have allowed the world to dictate everything about us. We'd rather be accepted by the world more than we be accepted by Christ. We'd rather gain everything, be a, have all the things in life that we think brings us happiness, but at the end of the day, we have nothing because we don't have Jesus Christ. You see, there are many people who think that money can buy happiness. And you know what? Money can probably buy happiness for a little while. 
But the reality is, is that once that money is gone, what's going to happen? You see, money is only there for a while. Just like someone who invested a whole bunch of money into a brand new car that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. You see, you can buy a car, but the reality is you have to take care of it. The reality is if you hit a, a pothole in our streets, the car is damaged. You see, we want to invest in things that are eternal. And the only thing eternal is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some words say, what does it profit someone if he gains the whole world? You know, as, as you think of a young people, and, and I know growing up, as I think of the gangster rap era where you saw so many gangster rappers having all the gold chains and having the gold tooth and having all these fancy cars and all of these different things that, you know what, they look like they were very happy. But what you see now is a lot of these same rappers are either bankrupt, dead, and they have nothing to show for it because, do you know why? They invested in things that were not eternal. You see, for me, I remember growing up listening and, and seeing the, the Tupac and the Notorious B.I.G. And, and seeing just that whole, you know, gangster rap and seeing how these guys were at war with each other. But yet people were just buying their albums and having all these things. And they had all the cars, the women and everything that you could dream of. But yet we know that they lost their lives. You see, we need to be very careful because... What we invest our, our lives in and what we invest our money and time in is what we see is the most important thing to us. And that's what this verse is saying. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his whole soul? You see, we need to understand that if we pursue everything in this world and we pursue all these worldly things and we don't pursue Christ, then we're just wasting our lives every single day. You see, I think too many times in life we think that once we have the brand new phone, the brand new computer, the brand new whatever it is, we're happy. But I want to ask you a question because I want us to consider on a Christmas morning as a kid. You wake up, you have this nice gift, and you know, you've been waiting the whole year for this particular gift. You open up this gift and you get this great satisfaction and he's like, oh, what a great gift. And you're like, you're ready to use it. Um, and you have, you know, you have batteries for this thing or whatever it may be. But then you realize exactly that, you know what, this is only going to be a temporary thing. Because you know what happens is as soon as you get the new iPhone, a new Samsung Galaxy, the next one is out. And you, that old, the, the old one becomes, I want something newer. You see, we can invest in all these different things and think that we have it all together, but the reality is is that these things will fade away. You know, when you consider an Xbox, you consider Nintendo, all of these come in new systems almost every other year. But the reality is is that we're not satisfied because we always want what's new. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and we come to a relationship with Him, this is eternal. You see, God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's always there for us. And we need to recognize this as we consider what is most important to us. As we consider this verse again, for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? I want to challenge you this morning. What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the things of the world or are you pursuing Jesus Christ? Because the reality is if you're pursuing the things of the world, you have to understand that there's going to come a time when those things are not going to bring you satisfaction. 
because they're going to rust. They're going to fade away. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, this relationship that we have with him, this is eternal. He's there for us all the time. We can call on him all the time. And I just want to challenge you to really consider what is the most important thing to you. Because if it is Jesus Christ, you will invest all that you can into him. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas, and I want to thank you for listening to You Talk. Recently, Pastor Rob had the opportunity to have the youth director from the Bahamas Godparent Center, Audra Darvel, in the studio to share her personal God story. We now resume from where we left off last week. You said so much and said it so well uh, in a few words. Um, one of the thoughts I had when you were sharing that part of your story, Audra, was that the scripture that says, uh, be not deceived, a bad company corrupts good morals. Mm -hmm. And that was basically what happened to you. You were straddling the fence or being a double agent. Yeah. You were an agent for the Lord in one setting and you were an agent for the enemy uh, in, in a kind of the compromise setting. I appreciate you being so open about that. I think that some of our listeners are bound to have either had that experience mm -hmm. or may even be in the middle of that experience as mm -hmm. they're listening this morning. And so um, keep listening. I'm, this The whole story hasn't yet been told. So uh, you've gotten us to the point that you know you're having a baby. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the baby as uh, unexpected uh, answer to your prayer of turn me around so that I don't go back to what I don't want to go back to. Philippians 4, Four 6, six and, seven and 7 is what you said was shared with you, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the particular Greek word that talks about guard your hearts and minds was a military word, set a garrison, a 24-hour watch around the walls of your heart to give you peace. Isn't that interesting? So please carry on with your story. Um, so from there, I told my parents, and they were like, okay, well, we'll figure this out, and um, we'll be there, we'll support you in this time. And that was amazing. I was, I, I knew that they would, that they would say that, but I didn't know how it would feel. And so um, it was just so cool to see that they loved me no matter what. Um, and I think that gave me a glimpse into how much God loves me. Yes. Um, because no matter what I did, they still loved me. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, whoa, how much more does God love me? So it was this cool journey during that time of finding out how much God loves me. Like I had no, I knew it before in my mind, but I didn't know it from my heart and my experiences yet. And mm -hmm. so I think it was this time of really knowing that the Lord loved me and knowing how much he cared about me. Um, and so I ended up going to um, a church that was amazing. And I was pregnant, and so I was scared because I was like, oh, I can't walk into church pregnant. <laughs> like, what are people going to say? I can't say, like, oh, I love Jesus and be pregnant. Like, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I walked. without a husband. Right. Yeah, we'll just clarify for sure. Yeah. Right. And so the Lord put me in a group of people in the in that church 
that took the time to love on me and Myra. And they showed me what grace looks like. Um, they allowed me to serve. They allowed me to be um, fully who I was without judgment. And through that experience, I just found the Lord more than I ever had. Um, and it was cool because it was like, now I can give that to my daughter. Like, I didn't have it fully before, and now I do. And now I can equip her. You know, so it's, yes. it's just a cool experience. Right. So, and you're specifically referring to the grace of God that you knew in your head perhaps before, but as you were uh, helped and loved in an unconditional way by people, you were better able to understand God's grace right. and therefore be able to pass it all along in due time to your daughter, Myra. Right. Confession, of course, is a... Uh, Christian discipline that we all have and need of because we all sin. And uh, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sin, that he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I love about that verse is many things, but one of the things is that the word that's translated confess is homo legeo in Greek. Homo same legeo is to say so when we confess sin, we say the same thing about a particular sin that God does. Mm -hmm. That's confession. Mm -hmm. And so he says, if we will do that, and what I like to say is, if I will name names with God about my sin, if I will be specific mm -hmm. and not, oh, God, forgive me if I've sinned, that's mm -hmm. not confession. But, you know, when I was impatient with the driver ahead of me this morning in rush hour, mm -hmm. that was sin, Lord, will you? I agree with you, it's sin. And then yeah. he said he'll be faithful. He won't be fickle. He won't have a good day and say, I'll forgive you, and a bad day and say, I won't forgive you. Mm -hmm. He'll be faithful and just. He'll have judicial basis upon which to forgive because Jesus paid for that sin. Uh, he paid for all of our sins, didn't he? Past, present, and future sins. That's all the time we have for today. We'll pick up from here next time, Lord willing. For more information about the Bahamas Godparent Center, you can contact them by phone at 698-4306. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. I have a question based on Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And verse 12 of Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, 
because all sinned, let me read it again, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned, here's the question, how is the human race related to Adam and his sin? Romans 5, 12 declares that sin and death entered the world through one man, Adam. Paul concludes, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. There are two possible interpretations of Paul's statement. Many theologians believe that God contemplates all people as one with Adam and his sin. Since Adam represented the human race, God regards all people as sinners because of his acts. Others believe that the entire human race was seminally present in Adam. This perspective is based on the concept of the corporate solidarity of the human race in Adam. You could read more along that line in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. According to this second view, when Adam sinned, the entire human race actually participated in the sin. People are not just designated sinners, they are sinners by virtue of their participation in Adam's act. Although debated, the second view best corresponds with Paul's words, all sinned. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.